Hey, it's Danae Joy, and you're now tuned in to the DJ J. Erica Podcast Worldwide Takeover Show. Keep it locked here. Yeah, 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 you rock with me, the one and only DJ J. Erica. It's DJ J. Erica Podcast, and today we have a special guest in the building. Danae Joy has come through the show. What's up? What's up? Nothing much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're coming on here to continue to promote your single and your brand new project, your brand new project, Misfit. You got the single across the room. So tell me about your project. Tell me about everything that's going on with Danae Joy right now. Well, um, Misfit is something that I... I wrote for maybe about two, three years ago, and I was just sitting on it, like, trading songs in and out, in and out. Um, And then I finally wrote the right amount of six songs and what I felt like I wanted to put out. So that's what's going on. I'm focusing on pushing that project. Um, you know, shooting some videos and just promoting the project right now. So tell me, everybody who was involved in the project, because um, of course you're a songwriter, correct? Yes. Okay, so how does it work when you're songwriting? Um, well, basically, I can write a song without, with or without a beat. Um, and then I'll usually go to my friend, DJ Nikki Nye. Shout out to her. That's the person that executive produced my um, project. But, yeah, I just get inspiration from anything, and I write, and then we get a beat made, and then we go record. That's really that's really all that there is to it. So, like, when you're writing, do you write about yourself particularly, um, particularly uh, in your music? Do you write about yourself, or do you uh, take inspiration from the people around you? Um, I would say it's a combination of both. And I think, like, okay, so you said it's a combination of both. So, so like, for instance, if, if you see, like, a friend going through something, you can get a song, or a song will come up because of what something uh, a friend I don't know, someone else in your life has gone through something and you were able to get inspiration from that and write songs about that? Yes. Okay, so what out of the whole project, what is your favorite single that is actually, that's not about this um, track project, it's not actually about you specifically, but it was a song that you got in, inspired by somebody else to write the song? Um, That song would be called Make It Right. Okay. How so? Well, um, I just had a friend that was on and off with, um, you know, her boyfriend at the time for for years, um, and she just never seemed to get, in my opinion, um, the respect and just, you know, just the due process that she deserved in regards to being in a relationship, a monogamous relationship with someone. So that's really where the inspiration came from. Um, Make It Right is just about a woman being fed up and being sick and tired of being sick and tired when 
you know, you're going to go through your ups and downs in relationships, but it should definitely be more good than bad, and that's not what was happening in this situation. Ultimatum, like, either you're going to really put forth an effort to make this relationship work, or we're going to let it go. And I'm fine with either, but you need to make it right within this 24-hour marking period. Man, that's deep. That's deep. The relationships, you know, and they really are, you know, tough sometimes. And, you know, that that would really make you want to write a song, uh, <laughs> especially with seeing a friend going through that. It's a lot to uh, see a friend have to go through, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's like one of my favorite tracks off your joint, though. Um, I want to ask you a few questions, more personal, more about the industry, okay? Now, right. you are a female. You're an R&B artist. So, in both sides, that's a tough category to be in. Um, what is the most challenging things you experience um, in the industry today? Um, and what changes do you want to see made in the entertainment industry? Um, you know, again, I think it would just be the respect just as a human being um, that I that I give people. I don't always receive. Um, and, uh, you know, to break it down, the music industry – Although women are coming up, and it's definitely more so now than ever has been a great time for women to be embarking on this music journey, um, it's still very male-dominated. So when I'm talking about respect, I just want to be respected as an artist. Like, I don't want you to think that I'm less than or that you have to treat me as such just because I'm a female. And and when you say that they treat you different, like what do you have to deal with specifically where you're like, okay, this has got to be because I'm this or because I'm that? Like how often does that happen? Like what have you experienced so far? I mean, there were some really great producers that I've wanted to work with and that they didn't keep it platonic. So it's just like I don't always want to be objectified because, I'm a female or I happen to be the opposite sex of you, even if you are attracted, like, let's just keep business business and, you know what I'm saying, and if if pleasure is what you want, I'd rather you be totally transparent and state that in the beginning so that I'm not under the false impression that you're actually really trying to work and make some music. Okay, so kind of like that, that wolf and sheep clothing thing. Yeah, most Are you coming in for business and people coming in for pleasure, and you're like, wait a minute, no. Step four, you need to, um, you know, roll it back a little bit, and, you know. I understand that, you know, especially when you're trying to get your work done, sometimes I can be um, often very distracted. Um, now, mm-hmm. do you think that there's a double standard in the industry or is just an entertainment in general when it comes to you being a black woman that's like, that XX right there? Um, Sometimes, yes. I mean, I've been in situations where I would say that um, that double standard has applied, like even not in just regards to just, like, respect. Like, for example, um, when you ask me what type of music category or genre would I put myself in, I usually will tell you 
be a project based mm-hmm. on what I think just as the artist that I am because I really I write so many different types of songs that I really feel like the best category would be pop music. Um, however, you say that again. You said house music. Pop music. Pop. Pop music. Pop music. I said house. Look at me. (laughs) So yeah, so pop music is more of your thing. That's the type of feel that I get from you. Is that uh, you got that crossover sound? You know, like it's real bumpy. Like people would like it. You know, pop culture sound and pop music. You know, in general. Uh, But go ahead. Sorry about that. Right. So, yeah, so I'm glad that you said that, you know, I give you that type of feel. However, um, because I'm black, I'm majestic in that in that zone. So that got to be, that got to be a bit Frustrated, annoying yeah. sometimes. Is that like a little bit, like what, like why is this, why is this, have to be like a standard with this like okay do I gotta look like this in order for you to accept my sound you know what I mean mm-hmm. that's the thing I noticed about the industry is that double standard where they put your face to sound per se like they'll look at you and say oh well because this person is black then of course they probably sing R&B you know right. but you might do pop music you don't you know what I mean so it's kind of like a hindrance um, when you have a lot of people that in the industry they're more so close minded and they they yeah. make they prejudge sometimes, you know. Um, how often have you been prejudged in regards to your artistry before um, them hearing it? And then they have like a they they have a totally different attitude after hearing your music. You know, I would say that hmm, percentage wise. I would say maybe about 70% of the time. Um, 70%. And I don't take it, you know, as disrespect, you know what I mean? But most people before hearing my project have automatically just thrown me into an R&B category. And I would guess first that's because that I'm black. Secondly, because I'm dark-skinned. So with that, it's just like <laughs> those are two big conundrums. So, like, you have to say, R.B., you can't be nothing else but a mad black woman. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's happening about skin color, the colorism thing. How has colorism ne- negatively affect your music career in a negative way based upon the people around you? Well, um... It's affected um, my career in more than one way, Um, not just musically, but also, I mean, I was a child actress, so um, I have auditioned for gigs and have not gotten gigs because of the fact that I'm not not ethnic-looking enough. And when they say that, what they would explain is that I don't look like I'm mixed Mm. or my skin is not of a lighter complexion. and then when I've went to stylist to get styled for maybe a photo shoot or, you know, to promote something, it would be like, well, you know, you're a dark-skinned girl, so we have to make sure that everything is 100% perfect on you because, you know, you don't really have that that sliding room. Like, everything has to be 100% perfect because they already count you out because dark skin is not the American perception for beauty. 
Man, that's that is crazy. Like when you know, thinking about that, um, the colorism thing, and it's really heavy hitting in the mainstream arena at this mm-hmm. point. Um, you know, I'm seeing, you know, like Instagram models that's advertising skin bleaching, one being um, Black China that advertised getting skin bleaching. How do you feel about when you see things like that in society where um, we got, you know, influencers pushing that idea like, yeah, it's okay, burn your skin off so you can look a little lighter? You know, that's kind of hard because, um Sometimes you want to judge someone and you want to, you know, feel a type of way and ask why would you embrace something like that, you know. But at the same time, it's kind of like I don't know you personally, so I don't know what you had to go through that got you to the point where you feel like, you know, you don't want to be the color that you originally were, you know. Um, so there are other people in this world like you, and if you can find a market for that, then, hey, you know what I'm saying, get your money, but that's not something that I would want to be a part of. Right, you wouldn't want to, like, you wouldn't want to push the idea that it would be okay to bleach your skin or something that you should do to reach the next Right, that's definitely not something that I would want to be an advocate of. Now I'm, I'm now thinking also about the colorism thing, and um, what's her name? Spice. Um, she recently, am I saying her name right? I think it's Spice. Yeah. Um, from Love and Hip Hop, she had the uh, I guess like a colorism theme where she completely bleached her skin. Did she go back to her regular skin color? I haven't. <laughs> it's been quiet since that uh, incident, but I mean, she did make a make a good point, I guess, in regards to how um, society view things, because, like, they'll sit there and say these things and say, like, oh, yeah, it's fine that you are dark-skinned, right? No, they'll say that politically correct, but then you get behind closed doors and you're by yourself, and they'll say things like, you know, darky or, oh, you you look pretty for a dark-skinned girl or this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then after you get that peer pressure on you, you go out and you say, okay, well, let me try to make my skin lighter because my life is so hard already, and it seems that it might be a little bit better if I'm a lighter skin. does what she does and, you know, tries this thing. She bleaches her skin, and, you know, it's more so for the single. I don't think she actually really bleached her skin. But people mm-hmm. really thought she bleached her skin. And then right. now you get all of these people commented on her tell us you should have stayed black that's what i meant by the politically correct saying them out saying that they're okay with you being black but you weren't Mm -hmm. saying that at all because behind the scenes she got to deal with colorism on a consistent basis same thing as like other people from like amara la negra you know from loving Mm -hmm. hip-hop and stuff like that so it's really deep talking about like the idea of colorism like how it truly yeah. affects people's careers. It's like, you know, what we're, as a, as a society, like, where do we draw a line? Because when we think about colorism, we think about Africans, Jamaicans, but we don't ever take it over to the Latino side. And it's just colorism goes on in Asian societies. It goes on in mm-hmm. Hispanic societies. It's, it's, right. it's, you know, what do you think about 
like the whole idea of like colorism, like how poison it is to society. I mean, I just think that is an idea that was brought to all different types of people, basically people of Caribbean descent, I would say. Um, you know, if you trace your family come from America, <laughs> you know what I mean, or European descent. And, um, you know, I really feel that it's something that we were institutionalized to basically tear each other down to not come together, you know, because that's really what that's really what it's doing, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, Latin American culture, you have this where the darker skinned people are seen as dirty, they're mm. poor, and they're slaves. Yeah, they're the well, ones they, that are working in the houses mm. and things of that nature. So it's, it's, it has so many different levels, and I think that that's been institutionalized since, you know, slave owners and were coming and, you know, taking us and taking us from our families and selling us off and, you know, taking the blacker ones and keeping them on the field and taking the lighter ones and putting them in the house and raping them. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, I really think that that's where that stems from. And I really wish, you know, as a society we could, you know, get to the point where we do see beauty in all skin tones, you know, mm-hmm. um, and to talk about the good things about having melanin and, and it's protection. Like you are highly protected when you're melanated. You, you're able to stay out longer in the sun. You don't, you're, you're less susceptible to different cancers and things of that nature because you actually have the protection of the sun, you know. Yes. So it's just very interesting um, how, uh, I guess, us as a black society or just, a, you know, um, I guess people of color, I'll say people of color because I'm talking about um, black society and I'm talking about, you know, Asian society, I'm talking about Hispanic society, all of those mm-hmm. things that have those those things that go on with colorism and stuff. It's, I just think that, you know, it's it's really dumb. Like I just like I, I don't understand how someone having lighter skin means that they're better. You know, like I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Son, it's just, it's 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 really. And I hate like me as first. Like of course I'm a DJ and everything else, but I do sit back and you know I got artists, friends, and people that deal with that stuff on a daily basis. And it's just to me it's just it's whack. It's real whack. You know because it'd be mm-hmm. a lot of um, regular black women who are extremely talented, um, but they can't get the bookings or or even get the exposure that they want, just based upon them being darker skin. Or um, you know, I'm seeing other people get more support because their skin tone is like like how could you make? And that's not even the worst part. The worst part is you make us feel bad for what we are bored with, but you pay to get tanned. You pay to look like us. Yeah, that's interesting. You do get those get like the lighter, the lighter of the society um, that does decide to get their skin tone darker or uh, tanned, and it's like, okay, I, I'm a little confused right now because what's what is the standard of beauty? That's a good question. Like, and all the listeners out there, um, 
you can uh, comment below, what is the standard of beauty? Because we have this thing where we have women who are naturally born with melanin, a lot of melanin, which means that they're darker skin, and then we have sisters that's lighter skin, they have less melanin, or they're, they're mixed race. And it's like, or, you know, even going back over to Caucasians, you know, we're dealing with this stuff and they're saying that you're no, you're no good, but we got these same people going to tanning booths and we got these same people sitting under the sun all day to get darker. I mean, it's it's really confusing. So I really want, you know, know, like the viewers and stuff, what they feel about it because it's really real. It's really real. And it's real to, as real as it is back then, it is real today, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the society with you. This is like a podcast, so I want to talk a little deeper um, about the world and how is it possible for your music to try to uplift people? Because we got a lot going on. What is your main goal as an artist to help society? Um, I always just want to give back music. I feel like music saved my life. So I always want to touch somebody. I always want someone to feel like, when I'm writing or when I'm performing a song that I have written, that's a connection moment right there because, oh, you've been through that too? Like, I'm not the only one, so I'm not crazy. You know, that I think that is beautiful because music allows vulnerability, and that vulnerability is beautiful because it lets people know that they're they're not alone. Mm. Yes, that's true, that's true. Like, the power of music is really deep. Like, you know, of course, like me, I spin records all the time, but I'm able to catch the reaction of what your record does with people. Like, when people hear your music, they're like, oh, I like that song, this made me feel good, this, this, and that. So I know, like, the effects of music, literally. Because sometimes as an artist, you don't really know the effect that your music has until you actually, I guess, maybe interact with your fans, go to concerts, or maybe a couple of people comment. But, like, with me being a DJ, like, I get the full effect on how powerful music really is and how people really mm-hmm. react to it. Like, you know, they'll be like, oh, you played this record, and, and they'll tell you how this record made them feel or how this record has um, changed their attitude, their perspective, or, like, made them remember things from the past, like, they don't have flashbacks or certain things that happen in life. So music is very, very powerful um, in regards to that. Now, my thing is we got a lot going on in society Right now, we got a whole lot of stuff going on. I just want to get into the conversation. To go back to our previous point of Wolfson Sheep Clothing on um, producers overstepping their boundaries, I have to ask you the question, Dyer Kelly question. I have to because you're a female. What do you think about that situation? Like, what do you think is all the allegations that have come out by Kelly, the documentaries? How do you, what do you think about that situation? Um, I am utterly appalled. Uh, that's the best way that I can describe it. You know, we've seen the sex tape, of course, and, you know, you knew that there was something disturbing, you know, but to actually hear more stories and it be way more detailed, you know, it it just gives you a whole new perspective on, like, 
how can you be blessed with the type of talent that you are blessed with? Because let's be clear, I definitely think that that man is a musical genius. How can you be blessed with the talent that you are blessed with and you're using it for evil? How can you take advantage of so many people that look up to you? I just think that, you know, what's done in the dark comes to the light, and he needs to pay for it. Yeah, that's that's deep because talking about that, it's like mm, that thing of power is such a bitch. <laughs> power can be <laughs> such a bitch because it's like you can be given a great gift, but you got to choose on what sides you're going to be. Because if, if you decide, whatever it is is going to massively, maximum, like drastically affect a lot of people, like a lot of people. And for me to see someone with such a, a, a gift, you know, throw his entire life away and throw away a lot of innocent women and children, lives away based off of him, and his sickness is just yeah. very disappointing. And it it makes you wonder what is it in the community where we lack of sexual discipline, um, of being lack of sex, being being lack in, in your, I guess your sexuality being maybe touched, molested. It's just lack of sexual discipline. Yeah, that's what the word I'm trying to say. Why is that? Like, why does it seem like when we have such great artists or male artists or even just entertainers, or just, just in general, if we even going to go over to the white perspective because we always have those people that say, well, you always talk about black folks, but you're not talking about this white person. Why is it, well, what would make someone throw their whole life away because of lack of sexual discipline? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um it's very disappointing. And the one thing that they did mention about R. Kelly is that he was also, you know, molested and, and things of that nature, incest, all types of things going on in his life, which helped to create the monster that he became. But it's like how long are, are we as a society, as a black culture, going to allow these things to continue because you may become a victim, but that don't mean that it's okay for you to become the predator. You know what I mean? And it's just like it's so many other R. Kelly's out there that are just not famous. So that's what really bothers me even more is because he's just one. But everyone knows that they don't walk past that funny uncle or that funny dude that was at down the street always trying to talk to the 14-year-olds, and he's like 35, like, it's everywhere. Yeah. Why, why does it take now for us to be outraged? We've known about this stuff. They've known about this stuff since I was a baby. <laughs> like, like, you know, and it's like, yes, I'm glad justice is being served, but the devaluing of black women is so severe at this point. Like, the value of black women, it just seems to be at a real low. It's always been a low. But now we just finally get to the point where people are paying attention. But I wonder what took so long for it to get there. Um, 
That's a good question, you know, like a question that I really don't even have an answer for. Uh, I just think that we have to stop idolizing celebrities. Um, I think that we have to be cognizant of the fact that people are people. And like I said, I would never take away the fact that um, R. Kelly is a great musician because they're so many songs that I love from him. Mm-hmm. However, a great musician is one thing, and you can be a really bad, bad person, and that's what he happens to be. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Very disappointing, you know. Um, damn. That was deep. That's deep. That's true. It's it's something to leave you speechless in regards to. I just what I will say. What I will say is that these parents have got to do better, and I'm gonna explain why. Because truly, if you really think about it, all right, you got this lady saying that. Okay, her daughter was kidnapped by R. Kelly. They brought her to an R. Kelly concert. Um, he pulled their daughter onto the stage. They let the daughter go backstage with him. They let the daughter, well, they didn't, I guess they didn't let the daughter per se go to the hotel with them, but they found what hotel she was at, and they still let her stay up there and audition. They let the daughter go all the way to Chicago, where she never came home. But not only did they do that, but they let her, their other daughter also go out there, well known pedophile to make their daughter a star, like, what in the hell? What yeah. in the hell is that about? Like, is that like the, the grade-aid version of bad parenting? Like, I mean, who in their right mind would even buy their daughter's tickets to a R. Kelly concert, let alone allow her to go on stage with the man at and you're the one that's buying the tickets. So this girl probably couldn't buy, clearly she couldn't buy the tickets because the, the parents was there. So they were chaperoning her because they bought her the ticket to get there. You set all of this up. You put your daughter in harm's way, and there's no way. I just feel like that whole story in regards to that, it's just a bunch of, you know, I feel, I feel the parents are bullshitty, and I'm not saying that in its protective of me defending R. Kelly, what would make you do that? That's the thing that's that's mind-boggling to me, you know? Mm-hmm. That's mind-boggling. The parent... Yeah, most if you, if you, if you're an, If you're a parent and you know that this person's a potential pedophile, why would you buy your daughter's tickets front row and allow the child to jump on stage with a known pedophile and allow him to take your daughter to a hotel and allow her to do all these things, then buy tickets for her to go all the way out to Chicago, that just sounds so wrong. And it's like, it's a thing as black folks, we have got to stop picking back off what you're saying. we got to stop idolizing fortune and fame. we got to stop idolizing putting fame and talent before your child's needs. You know, these people out here, they, they, it's a lot of messed up people out here. Why would you even put your child in harm's way? It's really not worth it. It's really not worth it at the end of the day. Um, your child's going to be scarred for life. 
you know, and you might, yeah. I mean, it's just like, you're doing all this for what? Like, what is the point? It's not worth it. And, like, we know how much we bring it in the industry. And it ain't $50 million in a year. It takes a lot of work to get there. So it's just like a lot of these women, when I've seen them, it's just very heartbreaking. But when I've seen the parents, it was more of disgust because it was like, why would you set your child up for the kill? What was your motive as a parent in regards to doing that? You know what I mean? Like, what would make you think, okay, yeah, go ahead and take our daughter and do whatever you want to her. Like, good luck. And now we have the to me as a people to just believe what we want to believe. We see what we want to see. Say that again. I say I, I, I feel that when you are trying to achieve a goal or there's something that you really want, you know, you have the tendency to see what you want to see so that you're able to still obtain what you feel like is due to you. Right, right. That's very true. Um, basically, go back to greed, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I feel you. You know, um, man, that's deep. It is a lot of greed in society. You know, people think that because a child's name is big or famous, we got, we got this instant society, this insta-fame society that, you do one thing, you're instantly famous, and that is a drug. That's a problem, and it's like we got so many parents that's into it. They like to talk about the millenniums or younger folks and say, hey, oh, it's y'all fault, this is this and that, but it's partially their fault because they're mesmerized by this stuff too. They're mesmerized by the Instagram fame. They're mesmerized by all these likes and follows and comments, and then you get situations like this. You know, and um, it's really unfortunate, but we got to stop waiting 30 years to convict child molesters in the black community. We have to stop that. And it's like a thing where you you have, you see those moms who they say, oh, oh, that's a fast-ass little girl. How could a 13, 12-year-old be a fast-ass little girl to a 35, 40-year-old man? Like, that's just disturbing and sick. It's just, you know, I was just completely just done away with that. Um, but, yeah, off of that subject, um, let's finish getting towards wrapping up the call and talking further about what we got coming up next for Danae Joy. Because I know that we talked about your project earlier. We talked about your singles. We done talked about colorism. We done talked about R. Kelly. What is the plans for 2019? The plan for 2019 is once I go ahead and shoot the videos for Misfit, it's time to hop on some new music, time to get another project out there. Um, So I definitely want, you know, everyone that's listening to stay tuned because Danae Joy definitely has some things in store for you guys. Um, Actually, I could just let you go ahead and, no, the name of the second project is actually called Heartbreak and Date and Remake. That's a full EP? That's a full EP. Oh, wow. All right. So that sounds nice. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, mm-hmm. so when is that going to drop? Um, I don't have a tentative date right now because I'm still in the creative process of it right now. 
but um, everything's almost finalized. I'll be able to give a date once, you know, I start it. I start recording. All right. So we're definitely going to be looking out for that. And you guys look out for Danae Joy. Tell everybody how they can follow you on social media to support your music, where they can find your music worldwide. Sure, not a problem. You can find me on all streaming sites, and you can look that up by D-E-N-A-E-J-O-I. And that will also be for all my social media handles via Instagram, via Twitter, as well as Facebook. Find my music page and like it, please. That is D-E-N-A-E-J-O-I. All right, all right. Yes, yes, yes. So that is the end of the podcast. Got to give a shout-out to everybody that sponsored this joint. And, you know, we just went distributed to iTunes, baby. So, yes, worldwide takeover, the world worldwide, and I mean it. We on Spotify. We on iTunes. We on TuneIn. And we on Google Play Music, and we're going to be coming to some more. We might be coming to Alexa real soon, so make sure you guys keep it locked here. This is going to be a dope podcast. I hope you guys keep subscribing, following, supporting, commenting. Give y'all reviews. The more the merrier. Join the, the community. And also, I just got to give a shout-out to all the sponsors, Fleet DJs, Table Matters DJs, and, of course, my people at the Hype Mag. And want to thank our special guest, Danae Joy, for coming through and giving her opinions. Y'all keep it here on the hottest station around. Of course, it's 95.5 FM and it's streaming live. The Takeover Podcast. Hey, it's Danae Joy, and you're now tuned in to the DJ J. Erica Podcast Worldwide Takeover Show. Keep it locked here.